Welcome to another episode of the Victory Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is a ministry of Victory Baptist Church in Valdosta, Georgia. To learn more about our ministry and the impact it has had in our community for over 50 years, visit VictoryBaptistValdosta.com. Now let's listen as Pastor Ward brings today's message from God's Word. In 45 years of ministry, I've never made it beyond Revelation chapter number 12, maybe chapter number 15 one time. And so I'll be breaking my own personal record tonight if I make it through chapter number 16. And it's tough. It's difficult to go week after week, 16 weeks now in the book of Revelation on Sunday nights. And it's so, it it just takes so much out of you, not necessarily... Uh, 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 you know, from the pulpit, but it, it's not a, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't uh, bring a lot of uh, uh, peace and serenity uh, in the service. Uh, it's very challenging. It's, and, and it's, it's uh, well, I don't know how I want to put that tonight because we know that we're not going to be here. You're saved. But this, we need to know it nonetheless. We need to know what's going on during the tribulation period. It would be nice to say, well, it's not going to affect me. I'll just uh, not worry about it. But it should encourage us, as Brother Greg was speaking a few moments ago, to be more faithful with our witnessing because we have loved ones and we have acquaintances and uh, we have uh, people at work and people at school uh, that will. If the Lord were to come tonight, they would go through the tribulation period. I don't have time to go into a lot of review now with six, 15 chapters behind us. I tried to do that last week. It took a little while to do that. Chapter number 16 is a little bit longer with 21 verses in it. Last week, we were in chapter 15 with just eight verses. So I was able to go back and just kind of highlight a few things that we've talked about along the way. And um, not uh, haven't done an exhaustive study by any means uh, here in Revelation. Uh, But we have hit some of the high marks, and we've tried to identify some of the things that we're most associated with, like the Antichrist and and, uh, those kind the four horsemen, uh, as uh, we found in chapter number three, uh, chapter number six, rather. And uh, some of those things, we've been able to take a a little bit of time with them, but there's so much that's going on, uh, you could wind up spending a year easily uh, making your way through the 22 chapters of of uh, the book of Revelation. Uh, Chapter number 16 is kind of an introduction to the last of the pouring out of the judgment of God. As we get through with 16 and enter into 17 and 18, and then things turn around. Then we get to the good part uh, after Armageddon and all of those kind of things. Uh, We have the marriage of the Lamb and the supper of the Lamb, of the bride and, and the wedding supper and then the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ, and then we're introduced to heaven that we'll live in for all eternity. And so it gets good if we can get past chapter number 18. So we're almost there. Uh, Chapter number 16, uh, to this point, we we do know that there's a couple of things that are important for me to kind of insert right here. One is that uh, we know that the three woes, the three warnings of the judgment of God, uh, they have been declared, and uh, these are, it's finishing up on the third woe as we're introduced to the pouring out of the vials. 
uh, we were introduced to the opening of the seals and the wrath of God and the judgment of God. And then the sounding of the seven trumpets, the seven seals, the seven trumpets. And uh, then now the last and final is the pouring out of the vials. If you could imagine with me tonight, and uh, you'll see this as we get into the story. We're introduced to it in chapter number 15, but we see it taking place. And uh, chapter number 16, the, as we're introduced to the opening or the pouring out of the vials, the sounding of the trumpets, and the opening of the seals, and now the, the pouring out of the vials upon the earth, there are seven angels that have been charged by God, and each of them has been given a vial. I'm not exactly sure what a vial is, some kind of a flask or some kind of a pitcher or some kind of a, a laver or something along that line, some kind of a dish, some kind of a bowl. Uh, some of the other Bibles, and I don't use any other Bibles, but I do know this from our study uh, some time ago on the King James Bible that uh, some of them in, in place of vials, they have the word bowls. And uh, so these seven angels, has been, they've been summoned and, uh, before God and given the commandment, and each of them are standing there. And unlike with the trumpets, uh, we were introduced to six of the trumpets, and then uh, there was kind of an intermission and some other things, the sealing uh, of the 144,000 and those kind of things took place. And then when the opening of the seals, there was kind of a pause between the sixth and the seventh, and another chapter was introduced. And then, but unlike that, in this story, we have seven angels that are standing there, and their, their vials are filled with the wrath of God. And uh, in succession, they begin to pour them out as they're commanded to do so. And, uh, and it's kind of interesting, the areas that these particular uh, portions of the wrath of God, how they're kind of measured out in different places, and uh, you'll see that. I don't want to get ahead of myself. If I do, I'll be through. And, it, and uh, well, it pays the same whether I get through at 7 o'clock or 7.05. It doesn't matter. Anyway, it all pays the same. And so we're in chapter number 16, and uh, the title of this one is very simply The Vials of Wrath. Now, there's a couple of key thoughts that we need to uh, uh, look at for just a moment. In verse number 1, about halfway through the verse, and we'll read the verses in just a little bit. But, but it has these three words. He says, go your ways. Now he's speaking to these angels. He said, go your ways and pour out the vials of wrath upon the earth. Upon the earth. And so the commandment that's given them is to go your way. And each one of them goes and they get their position and they're ready uh, and willing to pour out the wrath of God. And then all the way down in verse number 17, the last three words in verse number 17. And so we see verse number one, he said, go your ways. That is the commandment to the angels. And in verse number 17, these words, it is done. That is the completion of the angel's task. Now those are the, that's kind of the sum, summation of the entire story that we'll see when these angels pour out their seven vials of wrath upon the earth and um, on the earth and, and in other places. Interestingly, interestingly, and uh, I, you, I have this for you, it says the plagues of Revelation 16 are reminiscent of the plagues in Egypt. Those that Moses had, uh, through God, had imposed upon the people and upon the land 
And, and here's what we need to understand tonight. Just as those ten plagues in the land of Egypt were literal plagues that were poured out by God upon the land, if it was literal over there and it actually took place. And by the way, let me say this. This is, these, uh, uh, there has been uh, archaeological findings proving that those ten plagues happened in the land of Egypt. And, and it just kind of mystifies all of the naysayers and uh, all of this, the scholars, you know, that they want everything, uh, all of these things that happen in the Bible, particularly in the book of Revelation. Uh, they want us to think that, you know, those are just their parables and their typologies and, and their analogies and all of these kinds of things. And they, didn't, they don't really happen like it shows. But as much as those were ten actual plagues that fell upon the land of Egypt, these pour, this pouring out of the wrath of God in the land will happen as it did then. It will happen at a future date. Now, when we think about the plagues that are in the land of Egypt, there was a plague of the water being turned to blood, the frogs, the lice, the pestilence, the bulls, the hail, the locusts, darkness and the death of the firstborn. And you'll see some of these acted out again as we look through the pouring out of these seven vials. Now let's get into our study very quickly tonight. And I got a lot of, lot of information here and I'll read a lot of it to you and we'll just keep on moving rather quickly tonight. But we are in chapter number 16. And the first vial, the pouring out of the first vial in verse number 2. And the first went and poured out his vial upon the earth. Make note of that. And there fell a noisome and grievous sore upon the men uh, which had the mark of the beast and upon them which worshipped his image. Now there's two or three things that we learn from each of these. And I want to identify with those two or three things. Uh, in the first place, notice what he said in verse number two, that the pouring out of the first vial was upon the earth upon all the earth. You know, it's kind of interesting as we come to the vials, after studying about the seals and after studying about the trumpets, it's interesting to me that, that those seals and the opening of the seals and the pouring out of the wrath of God through that, they were, they were in, in certain areas for the most part. Uh, one time it would say like one-fourth part of the earth. Another time it would say something like one part or one third of those living things in the sea. I believe it said that uh, in the ocean, in the sea, in uh, chapter number eight, somewhere around in there. It's not important. But we know that it said it. But this, it says that he's pouring it out. These are the final of the judgments of God. And everything that has not been uh, stricken by the judgment of God all of the wickedness and all of the sinfulness and all of the ungodliness and, and, and everybody that's following the beast and worshiping the beast, even after all that they have seen, God is making sure that everybody that remains understands this matter of the wrath of God. And so it's poured out on all the earth, on all the earth. And... Um, and uh, it's upon the earth, and we'll see that a little bit later. Now, it mentions, it identifies a couple of these things, and I didn't know exactly what this word meant. Uh, it said, uh, it tells us, first of all, that it was a noisome, noisome. 
And that word's only mentioned four or five times in the scripture. And it has to do with, with being painful and with a noxious odor. It's disgusting for the most part. And so when he, the first angel, when he takes his vial and he pours his wrath, he pours it out as he's been commanded by God and he's standing in heaven and he takes it and he pours it out upon the earth. And when he does that, there's these horrible sores. Remember uh, the bulls I mentioned, I think they were mentioned like in the fifth or sixth place there in the land of Egypt. And so these, these noisome, painful sores come upon the men which had the mark of the beast and upon them which worshipped his image. Not only do we see that it was noisome, but it was also grievous. That means to, with regret and sorrow. It was um, uh, specifically poured out upon those who received the mark of the beast. We can give you these notes later if you'd like to have them. And uh, then those who had worshipped his image. And so now the first angel. Let's move along quickly tonight. Look at the pouring out of the second vial. This is found in verse number three. Unlike verse number one, this one is poured, uh, that one is poured out upon the earth. The second one we find out in verse number three, and the second angel poured out his vial upon the sea. And it became as the blood of a dead man. And uh, this is interesting. And every living soul died in the sea. That kind of confused me a little bit. And I really don't yet, fully understand what he means by that, but, but I'll, give you, I'll give you my opinion, and you can take it with a grain of salt and, uh, and go on from there. And so now we see that the second angel, has, uh, he's, the first angel has completed his task, and his job is done. The second angel takes the vial, and he pours it out. This one doesn't go upon the earth, but rather it lands in the sea. But this time it lands in the entire sea. I mentioned a few moments ago that one time it would be one third part of, the, of the, the fishes that were in the sea and every living thing that was in the sea. And uh, it's interesting that he said, uh, and uh, the blood of a dead man. And so this blood uh, that's in the sea, the sea is completely turned red and filled with blood, but it's not, uh, it's, it, it's, it's, uh, it, it's more coagulated, and uh, you can understand that the sea now, and uh, the sea is not just a red sea of blood, but the viscosity of it is not thin like water, but it's rather thick, like perhaps like jello. And now everything, every, and he said, every living soul. Now, here's what I'm not sure about. I'm not sure exactly what he's talking about there. I can only imagine this I, in, the, in the back of my mind because I know, that, and I've studied it before, and you've probably studied it as well and heard it preached about, that when the Bible uses the word soul, it has multiple meanings. It's not always the soul of man, uh, the one that's, that has the, the ability to be saved. Uh, sometimes when the Bible uses, uh, when it's talking about the eternal soul of man, it talks about his spirit, it talks about his heart, it talks about his life. Sometimes when it talks about our soul, it's talking about our mind. Sometimes it's talking about our being. But I think in this place, in that these are the fishes in the sea, and uh, every living thing in the sea, every living soul in the sea, and I'm not taking away from what the Word of God says, but in this instance, the word soul is speaking about that anything that has vitality or it has response. 
anything that has life and can respond, like the animals of God's kingdom. We saw an interesting uh, segment years ago, and, I, and when I saw it on television, um, you know, it's not like the internet, not everything on TV you see is you can trust. And, uh, but they had this thing, and they were talking about, and my wife and I, we saw it on the news, and they were talking about how the animals, like dogs and, and, and things along that line, that they don't have emotions, they don't have real feelings. And I'm thinking, dude, I know better than that. I mean, I, I've had a few dogs in my lifetime. Uh, I remember, and uh, we had several dogs when, uh, not at one time, usually one at the time, and uh, some, some just wonderful dogs along the way. And, uh, had, uh, and uh, we, we, we became very close to them. I remember, I remember a dog that I had when I was just a little boy, and his name was Lucky. And uh, he disappeared, so he wasn't that lucky, I guess. But uh, he disappeared, and I remember I was just a young boy, maybe six or seven or eight years old, and every afternoon when daddy would get home from work, we all, he's a little terrier, and uh, uh, when daddy would get home from work, we'd get in daddy's old Chevrolet truck, and we'd ride up and down the roads, and you know how dogs just kind of wander off seasons of the year and everything, and we kept thinking, oh, lucky, oh, lucky never came back. But one of the best dogs that we ever had, well, a bus kid gave it to me. One day out on the ball field out here, uh, we were having a, a get-together for the bus kids, and they were playing ball and having kind of a field day. And uh, this was way back in the early 80s. Uh, came here in 1980. And so one of the bus kids comes up to me, and, and he's got this little bundle of blonde fur in his hand. And, he, and he, he walks over to me, and it's a pretty little puppy. And he said, Preacher Ward, he said, I want you to have this puppy. And I said, well, thank you very much. He said, we, 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 we're not able to take care of it. And uh, had a, I think had about eight or nine in the litter. And, uh, and I said, well, what's his name? He said, it's, uh, it's Killer. It's Killer. And so we changed his name to Rusty. And Rusty was kind of the church dog. He was, a, he was part a Husky and part Collie. He was just a brilliant dog, just big, strong, beautiful blonde hair and and as smart as he could be and I tell you if if he didn't have emotions I'll eat your hat I will I, I know that he did I know that he he loved us and we loved him and um, and uh, boy he, he was quite a character he he was he was quite a dog and and um, I we've always had like a, a transit problem around here you know from time to time when uh, Daniel, he has to deal with eight or ten a week sometimes, and 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 certain, and we did back then when we lived in the in the pastorum for about nineteen years, and we had Rusty, and so I was out working in the gym one day, and uh, Rusty was in there with me. Hey, one time I, it's Thanksgiving. I remember one time we had uh, Thanksgiving for the school. They had their Thanksgiving on Wednesday before they got out early. And Rusty was laying in the edge of the door, and they'd been in there, and they'd been carving that turkey, and they got it all carved up, and, and they set that carcass right over on the end of the table. And Rusty, he was just sitting there, and he'd watching that carcass, watching that carcass. And in just a little while, he looked around, nobody was looking. I was looking. And uh, he got up, and he made a couple of easy steps, and then in, in, in one giant leap, he jumped over that table, and grabbed that turkey carcass and ran out the door with it. 
I was in there and I was working on the other end of the gym. And uh, we had uh, we, some, some transits came up and they were in this little convertible. And uh, it, it's, they were kind of like, you know, you ask them, where are you from? They say from nowhere. <laughs> and you can almost believe it. And so uh, this, uh, I saw it pull up. I saw it pull up and the glass doors were wide open. I was down there painting lines or doing something. I don't know what I was doing. But Rusty saw them. And man, when he did, he was on that sleek floor, and he was trying to get traction, you know, and he, he, his, it had smoke coming up from his heels, you know, and he was running as fast as he could. And uh, the one of them had, had gotten out of the car, and about the time he got out of that little car, like a little MG or Triumph or something like Brother Bob has, about that size, and convertible, and he jumped out, and he was, made one step, and he saw that dog coming, and he didn't have time to get back in. And so he's there, and he's running, he's running around and around that car, trying to find a place to get in it. And Rusty's right on his heels, you know what I mean? He's right behind him. And that guy's hollering out, will he bite? Will he bite? And I'm saying, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and then finally, he, he finally got far enough that he was able to fly over inside the car, and they cranked up and drove off. One time I had uh, this couple of bad guys came up and... and uh, I, Rusty, he was standing there with me, and uh, one of them kind of walked around behind me, and he went, Rrr. They do have feelings, and they do have emotions, and uh, they are alive, and uh, they do have vitality, and in a sense, they have being. But I don't know if the animals are, I don't know if they're going to be in heaven, you know, our dogs and all those kind of things. I, I, I'll just leave it at that. Anyway, I don't know how in the world I got over there. But anyhow, uh, here we go. And uh, so that's my take on it. The pouring out of the third vial, verse number four. This one, in verse number four, the third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers and the fountain of waters, and they became blood. And so now the first angel has poured out his vial, and he pours it out on the earth. The second one pours out his vial uh, upon the sea, and now... Everything that's living in the ocean, in the sea, in the salt waters, everything that is in there is now dead. And now he, the third angel is summoned and he takes his vial of the wrath of God and he pours it out upon the rivers, the fresh water, and the fountain of waters, the springs. You see what's happening? It's getting worse and worse and worse. You know, we get a little upset when they start talking about, you know, food shortages, and we should. Now they're talking about this, uh, this uh, a train uh, union workers, uh, you know, their strike. That's, that they, and, and I heard them say just a couple of days ago that if, that if that takes place somewhere around December the 6th, that three days later the shelves will start being empty of food. It's kind of scary to think. But think about this. Think about all of a sudden the wrath of God uh, again and again coming in like the waves upon the seashore, the winds from, from the north, and, and we see just one after another again and again and over and over and over. The wrath of God is being poured out on this wicked world. Now, the, drink, the drinking water but there's something else that's said about it. In, in, um, in uh, verse 5 and following, 
uh, it goes on and, and elaborates a little bit more. And he said, And I heard the angel of the waters say, Thou art righteous, O Lord, which art and wast and shall be, uh, shalt be, because thou hast judged thus. For they have shed the blood of the saints of the prophets, and thou hast given them blood to drink, for they are worthy. And I heard another out of the altar say, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are thy judgments. Three things that I see in these verses about the third angel pouring out his vial upon the rivers and the fountains of waters. In verse number 5 and verse number 7, we're introduced to the judge. To the judge. In uh, verse number 6 in part A, we're introduced not just to the judge, but we're introduced to his justice. The judge of this earth shall do right. We see his justice. He said, why, why is God doing this? And it's explained by the angel, for they have shed the blood of the saints and the prophets. And then we not only see the judge and the justice, but in part B of verse number 6, we see the judgment that is poured out as as, and thou hast given them blood to drink, for they are worthy. Then we see not only the opening of the first three, but moving along quickly, and we're, our time's getting away from us. Um, and we may not get through with this tonight. We'll try. But in the fourth place, we see the pouring out of the fourth vial in verse number 8. In verse number 8, and the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun, and the power... And power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. And um, go ahead and read verse number 9. And men were scorched with great heat and blasphemed the name of God, which hath power over these plagues, and they repented not to give him glory. The pouring out of the fourth vial. The fourth angel gets his vial and his basin, and he's ready to pour it out. This time it's not upon the earth. It's not upon the sea. It's not upon the rivers and the fountains of waters. This time it's, he pours his out and it lands on the sun. God's covered more and more. And now the earth has been covered with his judgment. The waters have been covered with his judgment. And now the sun is being covered with the judgment of God. God is not leaving any place untouched. You say, I thought he was a God of love. You're absolutely right. He's a God of love. He's a God of mercy. But he's also a God of judgment and righteousness. And the holiness of God, I can't say that the holiness of God supersedes all the other characteristics of God, but they all equally help us to understand who God is. God can be 100% love and God can be 100% wrath. God can show his mercy and God can show his judgment. You know why? You say, well, I don't understand that. I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense to me. Of course it doesn't. That's the reason that we're not God. And he is God. And if I could understand everything that I've read about him, if I could understand everything that I think that I know about him, I might become equal to him. And that's not going to happen. 
We're just little human beings and we have these finite minds and, 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 and we live in a corruptible body and our minds are not pure and our minds are not understanding. They don't know all of the spiritual aspects of this universe that God has made. But a thrice holy, fully divine God does love at the same time that he pours out his I don't understand that. I don't understand that. And so in verse number 9, men are scorched with fire and men continue to blaspheme the name of God. And for the second time, or maybe this is the first time, it mentions that they still will not repent. And then we move on. They still, there's still no repentance. The fifth vial. Let's move on quickly. In verse number 10, now we see in verse number 10, And the fifth angel poured out his vial upon the seat of the beast, and his kingdom was full of darkness, and they gnawed their tongues for pain. And blaspheme God, and blaspheme God, the God of heaven, because of their pains and their sores, but for the second time, and repented not of their Quickly reviewing, the first angel, he pours out his uh, bowl or his vial of the wrath of God and it lands on the earth. And then the next one lands in the sea. And then the next one lands in the waters and the rivers of waters. Then the next one lands up on the sun. This one is poured out and he pours it up upon the beast and his kingdom. Notice what he said. He identifies that a little bit more in the next, in the next few verses. And so we'll just go, move on down very, very quickly. And so now when the fifth vial is poured out upon the beast, then his kingdom, uh, it, the earth is filled with darkness, the earth is filled with pain, and the earth is filled with sores in verse number 11. Darkness, pain, and sores. All of those are common to the plagues that happen in the land of Egypt under Moses' direction. Now let's look in the, at the sixth vial, number six, the pouring out of the sixth vial in verse number 12. And this goes quickly now. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon, look at this, the great river Euphrates. It's amazing how that river continually comes up. And the water thereof was dried up, and there was a reason for it that the, king, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the, and he identifies the Antichrist, the dragon, the beast, and the false prophet. And each one of those, a, a frog-like creature comes out of their mouth. In verse number 14, and there are the spirits of devils. Working miracles? Are you kidding me? Remember the land of Egypt, how that the uh, magicians of Pharaoh, how that they duplicated some of the miracles that God had performed through Moses? This is the second time in the book of Revelation we see the devil performing miracles. And so he said, For they are working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth and the whole world and gather themselves to battle of that great day of God Almighty. The battle of Armageddon is coming now. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, uh, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Verse number 16, and he gathered them together into a place in the Hebrew tongue called, or called in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. And so now the sixth seal has been opened up, and now it is being poured out in a particular place, 
the river Euphrates. And the river, it tells us that uh, in this river that, in, um, let me go back in for just a moment, and uh, in, verse number, in verse number 12, and the great river Euphrates, the water thereof was dried up. Now there's two or three things that we need to make mention of. We see these three unclean spirits. We see the spirit of devils working miracles, verse number 14. We see uh, the statement of behold, I come as a thief in verse number 15. We see that throughout the scripture. And then finally we see the beginning of the gathering of the battle of Armageddon. And so now, in order for this to take place, God has the sixth angel to pour out his vial of the wrath of God, and it licks up the water out of the great river Euphrates. But it didn't do it for, it's not done for just a show or whatever the case might be, but God is specifically getting ready that the kings of the east might be able to make their way to the battlefield of the Armageddon, of Armageddon, in the Battle of Ghetto. And so, the, and so now all these things are falling in place. God, God is moving things around like the, like the uh, uh, pieces on a, on a chessboard or, or the checkers on a checkerboard or whatever. God is moving things and strategically getting things ready because all of the earth, all of the wicked kings of the earth, they must have a way that they can get to the valley where the battle of Armageddon will be fought. And so now God is making a way, and if you take time to look at your map, and uh, geographically you'll find out that the kings of the east, that he's talking about like China, and uh, perhaps Japan, the Oriental, the Asian nations of the world. Now they have a way that they'll be able to get to the across the river Euphrates because it's going to be dried up, just like uh, the river, the Red Sea was dried up in the in the days of Moses. It's going to be dried up so that they'll be able to march their armies into the battle of Armageddon. The battle of Armageddon. The European nations, they'll be able to make their way into this battlefield. And so all of the wicked kings, all of the wicked kings, and God is strategically working and putting everything in place because the final battle is just about to happen. And we see that in our story. The seventh vial. The pouring out of the seventh vial is found in verse number 17. And now we've seen the vial exhausted. One out on the earth, one out in the sea, one on the rivers and the fountains of waters. Uh, one, uh, what was the next one? Yeah, and what was the next one? Okay, and uh, on, the, uh, on the beast and his prophets and, uh, and his kingdom. And, uh, and now we see the one being poured out on the great river Euphrates. And now finally... In verse number 17, it says, And the seventh angel poured out his... Now, these are one right after the other. And the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air, and there came a great voice out of the temple from heaven, from the throne, saying, It is done. There were voices and thunder and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such as not since 
men were upon the earth, so mighty an earthquake and so great. And the great city was divided into three parts because of the earthquake. And the cities uh, of the nations fell. And great Babylon came in remembrance before God to give into her cup of the winepress of the fierceness of his wrath. And every island fled away and the mountains were not found. And there fell upon men great hail out of heaven, every stone about the weight of a talent, about 100 pounds, the size of a, of a, of a, a small a young man. And the men blasphemed God because of the plague and the hail, for the plague thereof was exceeding great. We find four great things as the last plague that is poured out by the, in the, out of the vials by the seven angels. Now all, all of God's, the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the heaven above us, not heaven is home, but the heaven that is above us, uh, where the planets are, the sun has been, it's had the, um, the wrath of God poured out there. Uh, the earth, uh, the waters of the earth that make up about, what, two-thirds to three-quarters of, of planet earth is made up of water, and, the, and, the, and all of the land, and now the mountains and, and everything, and the islands and everything, God has completely encompassed the earth with his wrath. With his wrath. He talks of a great voice in verse number 17. He talks in verse number 18 about a great earthquake. And now the earth and the waters and the sun and finally the air. A lot, a lot is said about air quality and all those kind of things. It ain't going to make a whole lot of difference. If Jesus were to come tonight, you'd see these things happen in, in in less than seven short years, you'd see all of these things taking place. God will have the final say in what happens to this old earth. He made it. He has kept it. And he's the one that will make it new again. Sure he will. Sure he will. Great earthquake the great city of Babylon, and finally, great hell. I've seen, a, I've seen hell maybe a little bit bigger than a, a marble. I probably better talk, uh, define what a marble is. <laughs> so, I may not know what a marble is, but anyway. And uh, I, I don't think I've ever seen hell as big as a golf ball. I'm sure some of you probably have, and bigger than that, bigger than that. But can you imagine... Hell coming down bigger than a beach ball. 100 pound, a 100 pound ice cube falling upon men. Nowhere to go. No place to hide. What Brother Rufus say, you, you can run but you can't hide. I know that I'm not going to be here for any of this. And I tell you what, these, these, this series of messages, what they have done for this preacher, they've helped me put my focus back on souls. It's all about souls. It's all 
about souls. The vials of his wrath. We got 17 part of the way through 18 and things get, things begin to turn around. They begin to turn around. Let's stand for prayer now. Thank you for being such a good class. Thank you for your listening so well, making it easy to cover these materials. Our Father, we love you tonight. We thank you, Father, for giving warning to the world in this book. Lord, may it challenge us to be better witnesses, to keep on keeping on sending missionaries around the world. Lord, I know that heaven is plenty to be saved for, but People get heaven and, and avoid all this. Help us be mindful as we go about our daily business and our ministry business to try to reach every soul that we can to keep them from this awful, awful time. In Jesus' name. While these are praying, we invite you to come tonight.